0: Broadcasting live from the middle of America, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top Realtor, investor, husband, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Witt.
1: What's up? I'm Jeff Brown. I just kind of want to say I'm really excited to be here at Sisutel Park. I'm excited
0: for the opening, and uh, we're going to see the Kings of Leon and Broncho, which I think is going to be an amazing experience. What do you think so far, seeing the city? Has it changed much? Has you been here before? Uh, Since last time I've been here, it's a little bit different, but
1: I like the easy access, being able to walk places. I got the scooters all over the place. That's pretty cool. We could take those somewhere if we wanted to, and now this new park looks like it's going to be pretty fun.
0: So I came from Texas, and I've only lived here for about a year and a half, but it is so culturally diverse. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, uh, different restaurants and food is like a big thing for me i'm a huge foodie and i i thought i'd come here and it would be like very very much uh one type and it's been so much fun the past year we just we love it here hi i'm tim i live here in okc and i'm here to see kings of leon tonight and see if they'll respect our second amendment rights and let us in and i really love oklahoma we have a lot of freedoms here and we're getting free every every year we get more freedoms and it's just a beautiful city to live in Cool. What do you think about five years from now? You think this is gonna be a young town or you think it's gonna be an old crankyville? gosh. I feel like it's gonna be way younger. I feel like it's getting super modern and cool and I think it's gonna continue to do that. Yeah. Same here. I definitely think the same thing. It's all young people coming out here.
1: Well when people think of OKC they think of Hicks and country people, but like it's honestly like a real big city. Honestly, like people don't realize it. They think of Cowboys it's the opposite of that.
0: All right, so what do you think about five years from now? you think this could going to be a younger city? Oh, yeah, the millennials and all that, they're going to take over. Um, now, granted, I will say the older people, they're evolving, so to speak, if, you, if that's the right way to say it. But they're actually becoming more, I guess you could say, hip. So that that's neat, too. So in like five years, it might be younger, but even the older people, they're going to act younger. You, know, I mean, you might see someone who's 50, but they're going to act 30. Definitely. It's My husband and I are in our 30s, and... We feel like it's a young town. Sometimes I feel a little too old for it. <laughs> the next five years is going to be crazy. <laughs> right, well, there you go. You heard it. All right. Welcome to episode 56 on the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Footage you are watching we recorded at Scissortail Park Over 28,000 people attended the Grand Opening Ceremony there this past Friday. Over the weekend, on Saturday, they opened the park, which spans the north section over 40-acre beautiful park, Really neat to see what the MAPS $3 or MAPS $4 have gone towards. We've got quite a bit to discuss today as it is the beginning of October, which we now have the recap of September. We've also got some good news to talk about. So I want to jump into the numbers and then our guest on the show today is an investor that flew in from California to look at some properties. We got a chance to do some question and answer. And really just me answering is what... (laughs) When I reviewed the tape, but he had some good questions and I was able to elaborate on some ideas and some things that really a lot of investors have been asking me about. So I was able to kind of just elaborate on some uh, thoughts and answers from some existing problems and also kind of some forethinking of of what we're kind of seeing the future going on in Oklahoma City. So you'll want to stay tuned for that for sure. Uh, But let's jump into the market numbers for the month of September. First up, I want to bring in the median sales price over the course of September. comes in for Oklahoma City at $165,744, that being the median sales price for the entire Oklahoma City metropolitan area, which is larger than our usual 10-square-mile metric. That, in contrast with the northwest Oklahoma City core, which if you take the four quadrants of Oklahoma City within the Turnpike there on the northwest side, uh, this would be all the northwest area that would be like north of I-40 all the way to the Turnpike or Memorial Road and then as far east as uh, 235. And really, I cut a lot of Western on a lot of our searches. I'm staying west of Western. But this report would stay west of 235, coming in at $201,500 for the Northwest City Core. Also, looking at the median price per square foot you've got Oklahoma City coming in at $100 per square foot with the Northwest Oklahoma City core coming in at $132 per square foot. Showings per listing. Interesting metric you won't find anywhere else. This Oklahoma City, in general, we're looking at 5.4 showings before going pending Northwest Oklahoma City core 5.2 showings now how can you have a point half a showing or a quarter of a showing blah 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 blah. (laughs) Well just bear with us on the numbers it kind of breaks down but in the whole. Five showings, that's not that much, guys. That, like I've been talking about, is that first weekend, second weekend on the the market. So you're looking at a 13-day median usually, and then that's the first and second weekend. So getting into our month's supply of homes for sale, we're looking at, and this is a metric we watch very closely, looking at a diversion here, important numbers. Look at that blue line. That blue line represents the northwest Oklahoma City core. We're now at three months' supply of inventory. We're gaining uh, from where we were the start of the summer. We were as low as uh, 1.8 months of supply. Uh, And now we're at three months' supply, which we haven't been all year. I mean, in fact, um, we haven't been uh, three months' supply for the last two and a half years if we back out. Um, Let's go to that metric now. Uh month supply of homes. Now we're gonna break this down into from only a hundred thousand to seven hundred and one hundred and seventy three thousand. We now look at one point two, one point seven month supply of inventory for Northwest Oklahoma City and just 1.2 months supply of inventory in the affordability index. Again, from that 100 to 173,000, uh, which is really should be 175,000. I don't know why our metric does that, but um, this is important to note. Though, still seeing, oh, still seeing our rise going up, and this goes back to 2018. This is just for the year. We're at the highest point of the year. Now going back to the three month, three-year, going this is the three-year month supply of homes for sale. Going back to 2016, look, end of 2016, we were really high at two and a half months supply of inventory. And really, I remember 2016 into 2017, we were getting pretty good deals as a buyer's agent. Now 2017 matching where we were, where we are now twenty seventeen was still a really good year for buyer negotiation, and really buyers and sellers were seeing good mix between twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, and then bam, getting all the way over to now, which were at 1.7% or 1.7 months supply of inventory in the affordability index. So quite possibly a slow coming in the market in terms of looking to cool that seller's market. So interesting stuff. Um, I've been, you know, we've been so hot, such a hot seller's market this summer. And I've really had instances where we've, we've, almost just really been advising buyers, hey, like, whoa, you know, <laughs> buy it if you really want it. But understand that if you have to move really quickly, um, you might not really make any money, you might take a wash on this. And some of the homes just they're just so beautiful or are such in a great location or so vogue that people buy it anyways. So on to the news, uh, I want to touch on a national topic here uh, of great concern for realtors that have their ears to the national news. Um, the Department of Justice filing uh, has now indicated a wider probe into the Buyer Broker Commission, what we're calling the commission um, antitrust uh, law uh, question, and that is to – when we have an MLS, right, you don't see the buyer's commission on just a public, right? You don't know how much your buyer's agent is getting paid. And what this uh, lawsuit is saying is that you have to disclose to the public how much people are getting or else it could be considered price fixing because then we could all come together as brokers in a secret layer. Well, more Study more. More reports and more evidence is being shown in that court case that that may be in fact what has been going on uh, for the entire career of MLS listings, and so we're seeing a reaction already occurring in Washington State. In fact, they just announced today Redfin Windermere. Coldwell Banker Bain have all confirmed that they will display commissions on listing this coming before the Northwest MLS ruling will take effect that affects over 30,000 real estate brokers and 23 member 23, 2300 member offices in Washington. So you'll now be seeing in that area of the country, Redfin listings having buyer broker commission then transparent on there. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, that can mean a lot of things. That could mean we could see a lot more pressure in the transaction now that the numbers are just put right in front of your faces. You can kind of see where the seller is having to barter with the amount that he's having to pay for the brokering of the transaction which could result in better value for both the selling and buying and in markets like ours where we're heavy in the seller's market we're seeing a lot more for sale by owners being successful on zillow now I've got tons of stories, uh, you know, just even this last week, uh, where for sale by owners on Zillow are losing thousands of dollars due to just clerical errors and just not setting it up correctly. So, you know, only time will tell what putting pressure on the income of realtors will result in actually being a better market or if it actually won't be, but we'll find out. But That new ruling coming out. As far as our local news, um, a new live music venue and brewery planned for West Downtown. This coming from the owners of Tower Theater, um, Stephen Tyler and Chad Whitehead. Uh, basically there's not enough live music venues they've discovered and they felt and i've felt that myself as well so they're uh plan to open a new 500 person capacity live music space to complement their other two venues this going to be at second street and western uh the entire project should be completed uh next year into 2020 so that'll be Cool to add to the downtown assortment of things uh, coming. Really, again, I said this time before, uh, really for the last year and a half and two years, is we're looking like Austin. We are looking like Austin. Maps 4 is getting on the table. Um, I want to talk about some of the concepts that they've presented, one of which is a city-owned surf park. City owned surf park facility would cost $1.45 million and would come from $7.9 million in excess MAPS funds that were allocated to the Boathouse Foundation as part of improving the MAPS 3 whitewater facility that opened in 2016. Those MAPS funds obviously being applied to create this whole tourism city that we've got going on here that we're loving so much these things to do but let's look a little closer as they're beginning to look into investing in some of these the boathouse district that was so loved as part of maps three is now needing another bailout an item for bailing out the boathouse foundation came before city council since the Boathouse District began, the success of the MAPS 3 project has been questionable. The 2019 budget started with a shortfall of $3 million. The city manager requested on behalf of the foundation $1.5 million for management fees. Ward 8 Councilman Mark Stonecipher said that he looked into the audits and new organizational structure of the foundation. He wants to see it be sustainable. He said it needs more accountability, recommending a report from foundation leadership every 90 days before the council. Ultimately, the bailout was approved with an amendment for Stonecipher's 90 day report. Only Ward 5 Councilman David Greenwell voted against the measure. The council's a really tight knit community, so when one person votes against it, it's definitely an interesting mix there. Last up on the news for this week. Marijuana Businesses Creating a Property Management Challenges challenges or Potentially Nightmares. This article coming from Richard Mize over at The Oklahoman. He's got a couple of points that he points out for those that may be thinking of renting to a marijuana dispensary or marijuana uh, production facility is that if you had a mortgage on your commercial structure and you – have writers in that mortgage law or mortgage that's been filed that states that you need to comply with federal laws, you could potentially have your mortgage be called back on account for illegal activity. Um, That's something to think about. So check your mortgage uh, paperwork. You can uh, either, if you don't have it already, you can request that from your bank, but probably the best way is requesting that from the title company. A lot of title companies keep that for many years, After your closing, if you don't have a copy already, properties also with marijuana operations require additional security, such as self-closing and self-locking doors, 24-hour monitored security system, limited and control access to sensitive storage area, all of which would come back on the landlord as well. Had those things not been put in place properly, thieves also know that right now, currently, you can only purchase marijuana with cash. So that lends to large cash deposits as well as a large amount of high-dollar inventory that criminals statistically have enjoyed. And historically, hey, it used to be illegal, getting your hands on some legal material that's worth a lot on the street is still something that is sought after, so you could potentially be inviting some uh, a threat to your property. Owners who have accepted federal historic preservation or low-income housing tax credits, or Section 8 funding, have to comply with state and federal laws. Marijuana used on the property could lead to allegations of fraud. Another point, owners are not the only ones who could be held liable. The risk also extends to the property managers, real estate agents, and others acting on the owner's behalf. Property insurance policies generally do not cover damage caused by illegal activities. Folks, make sure you're looking into this before you sign the lease on a dispensary. And not to mention, the properties that I've been selling these applications that come in usually are folks that have almost no business experience or business experiences like tattoo parlors that are predominantly cash, really hard to prove their actual income. So a word to the wise, is it a bad investment? I don't know. Is it a more difficult one for an advanced look? You betcha. So take think twice before renting to a dispensary or a production facility. I want to bring on our guest on the show today. Here's out-of-state investor Andrew Berkman asking some common questions you might find interesting. Okay, so uh, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool, cool, cool. You just flew into Oklahoma City yesterday, was it? Yep, yeah, I got in yesterday afternoon. Cool. Career, so. And now you you're on your second or third property here in Oklahoma City. Yep.
1: Yeah, third one here.
0: Okay. And and largely that was because it's just a linear market, or what what really drew you to Oklahoma City?
1: Yeah. So you know I like the area, I like the state. Uh, I lived just north of here for a couple of years, and you know, we would always come down to Oklahoma City to to hang out, and just it's uh, I like what the the city is doing to kind of renovate itself and uh, make it more appealing. Uh, and then with that, the uh, home prices are still relatively low. And yeah, it seems to be a very linear market and uh, yeah, the rents are great so.
0: Now, you're comparing that to, like, the West Coast where yeah, you exactly. just get these cyclical yeah. craziness, um, which is nice when you're on, the like, the rising side of it. Yeah. But I think uh, now, you know, I've, I've got some friends that are, you know, that have duplexes that are $600,000 and they can maybe rent for 4000 yeah. you know. It's like, yeah. you know, in total. So it's, it's just a money loss. And a lot of people are buying it and just, like, holding it to try to get appreciation. Mm-hmm. So and that's one thing that you and I have talked about is, like, like don't buy in like areas like Midwest city, you know, banking on these huge appreciations. In fact the only big appreciations we get really you know quickly are the burrs you know mm-hmm. where you go and you buy a house that's that's crappy and then uh, renovate it yourself and then force equity you know so but you had had a question earlier that i think is really important so you said driving around yesterday yeah you were seeing like one house is really nice and then right next to a house that's really crappy um, so something happened in the 80s um, early 80s in oklahoma city where we had um, kind of a boom of oil in the late 70s and then we had these bankers that were giving out loans to small businesses and to, and to home buyers based on this incredible market mm-hmm. and then and and construction uh, you know new construction homes and then the oil prices tanked in mm-hmm. the early 80s and then we also had uh, a bank go under um, when the oil prices tanked and a couple of the big uh, oil executives uh, then lost their salary the banks then called those loans back mm-hmm. and they didn't have the cash mm-hmm. uh, because it was supposed to be a long strategy yeah. and so that ended up uh, knocking out a few huge big players in town. And you can read about it on Wikipedia. There's a huge article on it. But um, those banks going out of business combined with the oil price crash resulted in about 10 years of extreme poverty in Oklahoma City. And that led to Actually, we had uh, Judy Lindsay, who's now actually passed away this year, but she was just a legend in town here for mm-hmm. 35 years. Uh, she was on the board and everything. And she said there was literally bumper stickers on the back of people's cars that said, the last one to leave Oklahoma City, turn out the lights, please. You know, and that was really the sentiment of the '80s, and so that's what led to you know, methamphetamines hit us really tough then, and still really worked all the way through the early 2000s. Meth was a huge deal. We also had uh, gangs starting to take foothold from uh, Los Angeles. We had like the 69ers come here, and the GBCs, the Grand Central, um, coming from uh, San Diego, Mm -hmm. and so we at in the early 2000s were we're in the top. five in the nation for most gang-infested city. In fact, we have a Gangland episode on on the History Channel, it's called The Crazy Killers, for you crazy people want to see that. um which that, that documentary actually led to a couple of the big uh, drug dealers being uh, indicted uh, because they actually admitted to killing people, admitted to crimes on this video. So um, the local law enforcement actually laughed when I talked, Captain Balderamo, I talked with him and he was like, yeah, that actually led to some arrests. But make a long story short, so we have this disaster kind of zombie apocalypse scene going on here in the 80s and 90s. And we then really didn't have any economic rust, really, until the last 10 years so we went almost 20 years in just a real dire situation long enough to where all the people that were the good minds and the successful business owners left and went elsewhere Mm -hmm. Um, uh, we used to have some of the most beautiful women in the world as well i mean beautiful people um, really kind of a california type look uh from you know i I wasn't here myself but the from the studies i've read um and that was largely because of the oil i mean oil brought in just the top top people in the world, and then when that collapsed, they all kind of left, and so now that kind of left this this poverty-stricken hopelessness, and those people that stayed here were on government assistance, mm-hmm. and so we've also been. Um, kind of a a test guinea pig for federal policy rollouts, so like in the 70's we were part of the redlining, uh, which was a federal program to uh, basically give loans to African Americans, but only in certain areas. Mm. So if you were an African American in 1977, you could go to a bank, get qualified for a loan, but they would say, but wait, here's the map where you can use your loan. Uh and so that was the northeast side of Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. and and so you had uh, you know a a lot of you know, wealthy African-Americans buying up huge sections of the Northeast Oklahoma City and then redistributing that Mm -hmm. to people that couldn't qualify for these particular loan programs. You also had Caucasian-Americans buying land in the Northeast and then redistributing that to Mm -hmm. African-Americans. So there was a lot of things that kind of set in stone this perpetual poverty for the Northeast Mm -hmm. side. So when you drive around over there, you can still see and Southwest side it's very similar you can still see that that perpetual poverty that's Mm -hmm. just stuck in there so make a long story short our zoning our government infrastructure was uh, obviously there was no tax dollars so they were really underfunded so the zoning laws that a city like Austin would have didn't really exist and, and even if the ones that did exist weren't enforced so you would have you know a house that was built in 1955 next to maybe a vacant lot and then they would just move in a trailer park there you know or, or, a, or a mobile home uh, or they would have a you know a lot of brick houses meeting a certain standard. And then there would be a frame home, you know, built next to it, just as cheap as could be. And so that's why when you drive down here, you'll see brick home, Tudor style, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe a bungalow. And then, boom, this frame style house that was probably 20 grand to build, you know, or less. And it's just falling apart because it didn't meet code. Um, so those are things also too when we're looking at buying homes that have been rehab or that need rehab, is understanding the the levels of construction quality back in the day. So where you go, this house, you know, was hundred you know, just sold for $130 a square foot, and this house is right next to it, you know. I bet we could get $130 a square foot. You probably can mm-hmm. temporarily because the market is so energized. Here right now, yeah. um, but responsibly long term? Probably not. And that's what I really ask buyers and buyers agents to do is like really focus on the quality that you're building. Mm-hmm. Because as investors, if we all agree to hold a line of code, and the code enforcement's empowered, then we all kind of have a standard to compete against. Because right now, it's it's basically a game of, um, you know, what can you get away with? Yeah, you know, and nice. if you can get away with it, then you get more profit, and then you can beat the, the guy uh, elsewhere. But what that results in, uh, what I've seen, uh, just in just in the last ten years of me working real estate, is we'll try to get a a, fir- a first time home buyer in those homes. Mm-hmm. They're paying top dollar price because they're subway tile and and you know wood floors and have been refinished and they're all and, and they're white and they're new and they're just like you know the Pinterest ad or, or Facebook ad and so they pay top dollar and then they move in there they take their entire savings which is not much now because it's really hard to save in America and then they dump that into their down payment and then they move in and six months later their hot water tank goes out because it wasn't installed properly or, or it was not really working when the renovator came in, but they kind of tweaked it to make it work enough, and then the AC goes out because they kind of just band-aided it enough to get it to work and pass inspection, and so now we have two huge purchases that this person has to do now with no savings, and so they've essentially started off their new, and then all of a sudden the house then begins to have issues because the drywall was over rotted, uh, you know, uh, 2 by 4s or lately I saw a story where... um, literally a contractor had left like two dozen sheets of drywall out in the rain uh, and yeah. it had just gotten wet enough mm-hmm. to where they could kind of save it so they saved all these drywall sheets but then once they installed them painted them mold started to grow from the inside of those drywall sheets yeah. and actually that happened at tinker Tinker, tinker yeah. air force base as well um, that was a chinese a manufactured material or something like that and that was laden with this mold um, so that's where i see like we have a responsibility as investors to get the best deal you know and to to succeed in our businesses but also with great power and great knowledge comes responsibility Mm -hmm. and i think that's the element that's really not talked about a whole lot is like if you want stability in a community you have to do things correctly Mm -hmm. and uh, we had table investments on the show what was it two weeks ago and she was even saying like you have to stop like just duct taping the problems in your home and then stealing the equity out because over time that results in a tenant that's really unhappy that ends up destroying your property even more and also driving down the 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 uh, economy in the area because then they can't fix their car their car starts looking like crap and then next thing you know the neighbors not fixing their home and all this so um so that's kind of in a nutshell why the homes are the way they are why they're mm-hmm. fragmented and that's why i think it's so exciting here because there's an opportunity for look at all these nice homes and then there's this three mm-hmm. bad apples on the street and then you can come in there with the support of all those homeowners yeah and and re, you know refurbish those homes so um so yeah i mean that i hope that answers the question yeah it
1: does it, it it's Yeah, just interesting seeing that fragmentation, kinda what you mentioned earlier and it's exciting opportunity, just as you're saying, to Uh, improve the community, improve the street, improve the neighborhood. That's
0: right. And, you know, the the important thing, too, on that is that the appraisers know that. Mm -hmm. Because an appraiser is all about what's the standard in the area. You know, people think, oh, well, it looks bad here. Well, that's all we've had. Mm -hmm. Right. So when a buyer that's from here goes, they don't even notice it. I mean, when I first came to Oklahoma City, I was like, geez, no one's going to live on this street. But that's the way they grew up. That's normal. You know, know, if you go to Washington, D.C. and you see some of their streets there, it's crazy. But that's where they grew up. Mm -hmm. So that's normal. And same thing with the appraisers. An appraiser is tasked with what does the market in that region pay for Mm -hmm. a, a given price. And so everything's taken in hindsight of that. Now, I do want code enforcement to get better at what they're doing and have more resources. There's a lot of kind of um, renovators that work with the same code enforcement officers and and the the lines kind of get skewed, as well as the plumbers. Mm -hmm. Most plumbers, they kind of just do the work as they know that inspector's gonna be okay with, and sometimes the inspector doesn't even really check it because they know that particular plumber or whatever. And those relationships, I understand, are important, you know, Mm -hmm. because you can't be everywhere as an inspector, especially when there's so many permits getting pulled. But there certainly needs to be a level of like, hey, here's the line we're all playing against, so that way there's kind of some fair competition here, yeah. you know, yeah. so, and that's really just buyer buyer awareness, you know, mm-hmm. and tenant awareness. Like, we're doing a, a like a once a month, uh, you know, seminars now on the northeast side to help, you know, really get, first off homeowners that never should have sold, Mm -hmm. then wholesalers are coming in and they're just like ripping these homes, ripping these homes out of these people's uh, family lineage because they, you know, they have a leaky roof and they don't know how to repair it or they, you know, they don't have the cash for it. So they sell their home for $20. I heard last week an 87 year old woman sold Mm -hmm. her home for $20 to a wholesaler on the northeast side because he had convinced her that, you know, she was going to be fined, mm-hmm. that the state was going to come after her for her tax liens, and you were going to be uh, not only sent on the street, but you were going to be jailed, you know, and that all this fear, and then, you know, so she, what do I, of course I have to sell for, you know, thank God at least someone's taking yeah. this off my hands is what she was thinking, whereas that was very far from the reality. So I think we hope to kind of educate in, in to stabilize the economy in the future, so, yeah. and then also also tenant rights. You know, mm-hmm. your tenants need to know, and I think as a successful land uh, landlord, you need to also equip your tenants with transparency and communication, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I want you to be comfortable. I want you guys to be happy here so that you feel like this is your home and you take pride in it, you know, when the toilet paper rack, you know, falls off the wall yeah. because, you know, you know, it's not, the drywall screws are not in and they repair it they don't even call you. They just say, you know, hey, you know, I, I fixed this already. Thank you. I fixed this already, and, and I don't, you know, I don't need to do a maintenance call anymore because they're taking pride in their house, you know. Yeah. And, and those are the kind of stories that you hear when you build good relationships. Um, so we had uh, Johnny Mixon here yesterday, which was on the... He's on the southwest, southeast side in the fourplex, mm-hmm. and he actually is living in one of the units kind of immersed in this culture, and so it's really been neat to hear those interactions yeah. and hear that, that um, you know, it's almost back to the old Camelot days mm-hmm. where, you know, you had these, you know, the aristocrats, you know, owning the land, and then you had this very intimate relationship between you and the serfs, you know, and so how that plays out in the future I think is going to be very important, so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. What else? Well, just uh,
1: for an out-of-state guy um, who doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the city, how do, you, how do you recommend folks like us get a pulse or have a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the city? Um, and it kind of goes back to you know, where, how do I know which neighborhood is developing or is, is uh, in the line of progress? Um, and then just uh, yeah, kind of how to avoid those little those, those pitfalls. Uh, of finding myself or finding yourself in a place where you don't want to be.
0: Sure. What do, you, what do sure. you
1: recommend for that?
0: Well, so the first golden rule, right, of, of any investing, especially in a linear market, is mm-hmm. if the deal doesn't cash flow from day one, yeah. run. Yeah. If, it, if the numbers don't make sense the day you buy it, run. Mm-hmm. That's a salesman. That's a that's a Ponzi scheme. Whatever you want to say, that is a danger. Like yeah. this whole mentality that we got into and in the. 2005-2006 were like well the market's going to be great it'll be a great buy in three years you know mm-hmm. and it wasn't yeah, and, yeah. and the bank's not on your side on that because yeah. the bank's underwritten by FDIC they're going to get bailed out if they fall yeah. down anyways so the whole thought well, well my bank's not going to let me buy a bad deal no they will. Mm-hmm. Trust me, they will. It is up to us as the homeowner to actually do our due diligence. And yeah. so if the numbers aren't making sense from day one, forget it. Yeah. You know, they have to make sense right then. None of this, oh, you know, we get this all the time. Hey, you know, I see it's rented for five seventy-five. Oh, it's way under market value, you know. Yeah. Yep. You know, you can get 975 for that home all the time. Oh, okay, you know, yeah, I'll pay da da da. Some of that may be true, but mm-hmm. the, the stark reality is is most, most property management companies get paid off of how much rent they can charge. Mm-hmm. So when they're charging this low rate and they're not raising it ever, it's usually a sign that they know something that you probably don't mm-hmm. about the area or about just the demand. And we can quickly now, with the power of Zillow, we can see what is the rent, that's advertised in the area and how long has that advertisement been on there if you're at 750 and it's been 45 days and they're still at 750 Mm -hmm. chances are and they're the same amenities as yours chances are it's probably only worth 700 Mm -hmm. maybe 675 so doing that number will definitely get keep you out of trouble the other thing as far as how to avoid areas i heard um i think it was uh Oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but she said, I heard locals on the south side talking about the more joggers we see in an area, the more scared we are because then the rent's going to go up. So, things like that where it's community involvement Mm -hmm. and community exercise, you know, that's one thing that I really appreciated this last trip in Los Angeles was, you know, we were driving around in our rented minivan and you know rose my wife was just constantly saying you know wow people are like jogging here yeah. you know yeah. running across the sidewalk it makes me want to exercise more <laughs> you know and and uh, you know there was like groups of teenagers that were just like getting together to go running you know and like so there was this there, there was yeah. a sense of well-being you know yeah. of just like people are not in poverty here to where they're not worried you know they're actually uh, you know they've got time to think about their health and and to and then the restaurants too you know healthy you know vegan restaurants even over there on every street corner and veggie options and and when a when a community is starting to think in that manner that's when you really start to see okay they're they're really evolving into a new realm Mm -hmm. so how do we spot then in a neighborhood well it can even be things like grass cutting I mean the basics Mm -hmm. you know are people taking care of their lawn do they have pride in keeping their lawn short are their vehicles parked on the grass uh, in Oklahoma City that's a that's a hundred dollar fine the yeah. first time and they'll find you I think seven times before they get more serious about your um, you know fines but that just shows I don't care mm-hmm you know, I'm just frustrated that I can't park here or whatever, so that's already an opposing force to the government, and that's a community that's kind of in a rebel state, so. We also look at roofs, so we get Mm -hmm. hailstorms every seven years, Mm -hmm. so if your neighbor um, if, you know, you have six houses with brand new architectural, you know, shingles on them, and then you have Mr. Joe Blow, number six and seven, has got a tarp on his roof or an older roof, well, you know he took that cash from that roof or, or yeah. maybe didn't even care enough to call, and he's he's basically buying time living. So those are those are houses where you go, they're eventually going to default on their mortgage. Mm-hmm. Something's not adding up here and so you kind of know where that is also we can look at the crime maps too and when crime it's very important to look at the crime in terms of where the city is relative relative to the city itself so we're traditionally like three times higher crime rate than national average um, but that's for two reasons one our reporting system reports every single call that goes in, whereas mm-hmm. other cities sometimes just report calls that actually get a police report filed. Mm-hmm. We actually report every call. So if you call about a cat in a tree and the officer comes out and looks and says, oh, the cat will be fine, that gets logged in the, ne- in the federal database. So that's kind of why automatically we're just so much higher. And then also, too, remember that drug issue still you know, being dealt with. We still have gangs here. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have what we had in the early 2000s which was drive-by shootings. That was Mm -hmm. a really bad epidemic and the police really cracked down on that um, which is great because drive-by shootings are by far the biggest threat that a gang can present to a community. If you have one news story about a drive-by shooting, neighbors are already thinking about leaving. So that was something that rolled out but as far as trying to avoid um, areas that are on the downturn, L- noticing things like pride mm-hmm. taking pride in your home um, even if your your neighborhood is like hundred percent tenants mm-hmm. you know which mo- some of these neighborhoods are like 95 percent tenants now yeah. even tenants that have a proper management company that is that is screening people and placing them in there they'll still take care of their home yeah. you know yeah. so I think that's really the thing is is looking looking through them for that so yeah cool Thanks.
1: <laughs> And then uh, just real quick, so near term future, yeah, everyone, including myself, you know, you hear the word recession, and it's mm-hmm. coming, and it's coming. Um, what has Oklahoma City done, in your opinion, uh, to protect itself? And Or what, what what would you, if you could forecast something to happen, how would that, how would a recession hit the housing market here?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, we have a great example from 2008, uh, which really 2009 into 10 is when the recession yeah. hit us here. Um and we experience now we have a three point five to four percent appreciation each year here mm-hmm. statistically, and that's that's based off of our MLS um, records, which really the the way that that record pans out is it's only about the last 15 years so after the last 15 years we've been steady at about 3.5 percent well during the recession we dropped 7.5 at our lowest level was Mm 7.5 percent which rebounded within three years so if we take that into account so 7.5 percent even if you did sell at the bottom of that when you take into consideration the tax benefits you're getting from yeah. real estate and yeah. and your cash flow that you were getting already, you really didn't lose that much. Um, and actually, there is a couple of. Um, folks that that have uh, hard money loans, like Barry Rock Homes yeah. is one of them, where they base their entire business model off the 7.5% recession figures of Oklahoma yeah, City, and that they require a 7.5% down payment to get their hard money loans. Huh. Because their investors understand that that's the worst case scenario that we've experienced statistically, so we're gonna hedge that bet mm-hmm. and require 7.5% from the start. So this one, this recession, I mean, I don't I'm not going to say our economy is recession proof mm-hmm. because it no, no economy is recession proof but Remember when a recession happens it's like water dropping on the ocean you know yeah. like the tide goes out right and everyone goes out together so we're not trying to be the best in the planet here we're mm-hmm. just trying to be a better option than the, the house next to us right yeah. that's that's yeah. our gauge of you know uh, you know you want to be you know better and and thinking towards the future but you need to compare yourself to the rest of the city yeah. so this year alone, this last year, we've had 20,000 people move here, mm-hmm. um, which is roughly 1.5% of our population, so 1.5% population increase, and a lot of those have been remote jobs. Mm. Now, the marijuana thing is definitely concerning, for sure. I mean, there's not a single politician in town that would say, you know, this many dispensaries is a great thing. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we're kind of an exper- experiment of free market, which is neat. I mean, I get it that they that they're allowing the market to do what they're doing. Um, for those that haven't driven around here, I mean, you've probably experienced that yesterday yeah, driving around yeah. where you're just going. Do we need that many? Um, I mean, that was a new site, by the way. I just, yeah, I didn't see that last time I was here. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's definitely kind of taken off. And and I I really don't even work with people that call me wanting to buy warehouses and stuff because I'm just going if. If you're not paying attention to the math here,
1: yeah.
0: you're not going to be. You're not going. You're gonna, to You're wasting my time. Yeah. If, if I'm going to drive around trying to find a warehouse for you to grow marijuana in, uh, when I'm getting six of those calls a week, you know. So, um, but yeah, no, I think I think we're going to see. Uh, and there, that was a 20% rise in and and commercial rental wow. uh, rates due to this this whole you know marijuana push, which. The economic forecasts on that is, and this was talking with CBD Plus. Uh, I've got some. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say names, but I've got I've got some contacts inside that company that have that have done a lot of economic research on this. And within three years, most of the companies will be gone. There will be another wave. Which will come in, and then that third wave will then be the actual companies that make it here. Oh, so okay. we've got really a five-year kind of run yeah. of this kind of mom and pop coming up, and and again, it's it's in your face everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's there's uh, you know cannabis uh, dispensaries just just popping up and. Each one of those little vapor things are fifty to seventy-five dollars, yeah. um, and and so that's been kind of an issue because it's cash-based. It's a cash-based economy right now because uh, the federal government has still has it outlawed. Mm-hmm. So you can't use your debit card because those are FDIC-insured banks. Mm-hmm. So you have to go to an ATM and give cash. Well cash is really tough to regulate on a local economy um, because who's to say you don't know where where did you get this cash and so a lot of laundering opportunities uh, exist there and so um, that I think is probably why there's a lot more dispensaries than make mathematical sense here Mm -hmm. I mean I I had a guy from California calling me yesterday wanting to talk for half an hour about buying a warehouse and none of his math made any sense Mm -hmm. but knowing that this is a heavy cash economy it is an interesting opportunity to then Mm -hmm. launder funds from out-of-state or out of the country Mm -hmm. uh, through one of these cash businesses So, Mm so Yeah, so um, all in all, so I've got some questions for you. Um, so when you, I know you're relatively location agnostic, so mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're searching across the nation, what is it that you take into account when you're, when you're looking for deals? Um, that's a good question. It, that was, uh, it was kind of a hard, uh,
1: when I first started getting into real estate investing, that was the hardest thing, was to actually find a place that I wanted to focus on. So I just cast the net as wide as I could and was searching uh, maybe a dozen different cities, and it was just exhausting. Um, so when it when it came down to extra criteria, I wanted a linear market, something that would just slowly appreciate over time, uh, kind of avoiding the West Coast, you know, boom-bust cycles. Um, I was looking for a conservative state, conservative area, and then just uh, again, an area where the city was reinvesting in itself. And I know that's, that's Pretty broad in general. You could probably see that anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I liked what I saw happening in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of going back to when I was in the area ten years ago, and then just kind of seeing the differences over the last couple of years and what's been happening. You know, with like the trolley car, just the parks everywhere, the running trails, the rec trails. Um, it just seems like they're doing a lot to uh, increase the attractiveness of the city, and. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is it's just, yeah, kind of living in Oklahoma and enjoying my experience here and enjoying the people. I love to work with the folks down here. So that mm. was honestly kind of what brought me or drew me to the area, um, was just that interaction with like with folks like you and stuff. So Sure. Sure. But um, yeah, and then you know, the actual criteria on the homes, it, it still seems like an area where you can buy a home, you know, relatively cheap and still mm-hmm. demand or get good rents um, mm. to make the numbers work. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: get that cash flow that you were talking about earlier. So That's it. So um, I do want to bring up this topic because it was really, you know, I did this whole Uber poll when I was in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Um, the For example, the drive into downtown, I was with one Uber driver, and it's like 45 minutes you're with this person. Yeah. So you really yeah. get to kind of, like, meet this person. But on the way there, he, he was, like, guns are illegal here. We don't even allow guns. No one has guns. Whereas the Uber driver on the way back was like, "No, you can get a permit, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. get whatever gun you want, you know, as long as you get a permit, you know." And and so it was it was interesting first off to just know that that you are influenced by your sphere of data, like oh, yeah. who you're around and who you talk to influences kind of who you are and so in this new age world where we're censoring all of our data on Facebook, which is just totally uh, crazy I mean mm-hmm. I just, uh, the the new thing, the Donald, which is a site that creates these memes mm-hmm. uh, for political, you know, has been essentially shut down off the internet yeah. um, by uh, what has been linked to the Chinese member of the Chinese Communist Party, mm-hmm. so it's really been interesting to see, uh, and 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 the reason behind that when you look at the f- the further article is Facebook has stated that their their uh, AI system can't interpret memes. Yeah. So in order, you know, they're really trying to control political, um, you know, information this close to the election. So a meme the computer can't get it because it's a joke yeah, you know yeah. so they are just trying to outlaw them all together yeah. or really just shut down the main producer of political uh, cartoons and so it's really interesting for me just from a historic standpoint of can you imagine in 1930 you know some government or even a private corporation going around and pulling down cartoons off of a yeah. off of a street corner that, yeah yeah, yeah or, or you know like like we want you the uncle sam you know and somebody saying oh no 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 you can't make those cartoons you know yeah. because the cartoons were effective you yeah. know and so that that's really interesting so um, all of that i think is being combined with this huge fear that in 12 years our our global climate's going to collapse and everything and um, i posted on my personal facebook and i'm actually going to put it on the oklahoma city real estate shows facebook and we'll probably put it on the website too but there's actually so they show the chart right for the last 200 years or even a thousand years and it shows you know how global warming is going up but look a little deeper on the web and find the one that's 300 million years old and 600 million years old and you'll actually see that the carbon dioxide levels have actually only been this low one other time before Mm -hmm. and the temperatures have only been this low one other time before so when we look at the scale as much as we like to say well this is human induced you know it's all about humans it's all about carbon taxation and all that stuff the, the actual data when you really stretch it out mm-hmm. does not support that mm-hmm. so i want to encourage people to look at it in terms of Yes, we will have a recession in, in America if we levy huge carbon taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we uh, if we get on this bandwagon of globalism and we say, you know, we've got to stop, you know, we got to regulate, you know, carbon taxes. We essentially have then at that point given all these other nations an upper hand over our nation, mm-hmm. and that's really the agenda in the long term is to try to limit the American power in the in the in the world from being a, a dominant force anymore. And they're doing that through carbon taxation of our energy. Because energy is our biggest thing. I mean, um, you know, just think of how much an aircraft uses in in energy. And then to tax that, Mm -hmm. to throw a huge tax on that, but then China doesn't get a tax? That's death. Mm -hmm. That's death economically. When it's an arms race as close as we are in today's world, and you tax one country and the other country doesn't because they're, you know, liars. Um, So keep your keep your eyes focused on reality on real people and real people in Oklahoma City are needing to rent Mm -hmm. stay in your affordability index and you'll be fine I've been said that time and time again your affordability index here is that 150 and under Mm -hmm. really 130 and under if you can get it we're trying to get more inventory out there we're sending out new mailers now and and I'm also we're doing drive for dollars where uh, you know Johnny and I are going to be literally driving around knocking on doors uh, simply because we're trying to fill that void of that one 30 and under so that we can get quality affordable housing again um, and kind of free up some of these others so um so yeah uh, and if you run into anybody that understands that affordability index and really even the tiny homes Mm -hmm. uh, i'm researching that now um, we've got this concept coming out now where you know, let's say, for example, I offer the gentleman forty thousand dollars for his house, and and you know that's maybe really what it's worth because yeah. it's falling apart. And he says, "Landon, I'd like to take the forty thousand dollars, but I can't. I can't. Where am I going to go?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't want to rent. You know. Yeah. I, I I I'm used to having no mortgage. I you know I live off my pension check, this that and the rest. Um, what I propose would be an idea is to then build a tiny home, mm-hmm. which there's a company in Austin, Texas that that's called. Um, uh new hope or something of this sort and they're using uh, a, a 3d printer made by Ion and they're it's a concrete uh, mix that they put yeah. into a truck that's computer controlled that then has this big long arm comes over the top and then pours and builds uh, about a 600 square foot home huh. they can do a 400 square foot home and the idea and then they put a flat roof on it and it's actually a really attractive small little home mm-hmm. it's modern looking it, 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 it's someplace that I even I would want to stay at Um, and so the idea is then you know Saying, well, instead of me giving you the forty grand, how about I give you a brand new yeah. printed home yeah. in exchange, and and then relocate you to this village, if you will, outside yeah. the city. Um, and so those concepts is what we're currently working on now. The state has just been the state and city just hate tiny homes. Yeah. They view it as mobile homes. They yeah. view it as a bunch of transients and and a, and a and an issue with taxation in the future. So they've put a halt on it but there's an organization called Pivot right now mm-hmm. that has been the only institution in Oklahoma City that's been granted the permission to build tiny homes and they they're right across on um, Broadway Extension and Britain Road. So if you take Britain across on, on the, the northeast side of town just right as you get over there, they have eight acres they've set aside for 35 of these homes. Mm-hmm. And they're taking homeless youth, putting them in these tiny homes, and teaching them how to live in a subdivision. Oh, wow. Tiny homes yeah. are built like a miniature subdivision. And we're gonna be going through here, actually she just gave me you know, full media permission over there. We're gonna be documenting what's going on over mm-hmm. there and trying to understand, you know, how does this work when we put these little tiny villages together and then hopefully the state will then come by and say yes this is a good thing because when you have a hundred thousand dollars in student debt and you have all this going on you really can't afford this a lot of the youth are happy with these tiny homes anyways they're building them on their own and so this would be a way to kind of free up some of that inventory that otherwise wouldn't and so um, by all means um, if you know anybody or anybody that's listening and watching this um, you know get in contact with me. Support at okcreal.com uh, I'd like to start that dialogue if you've built tiny homes and not necessarily the backyard tiny homes where you're, you're just kind of a builder for yourself but more of a community type tiny home um, that I believe will be the answer for kind of solving this temporary wage crisis um, until we can kinda of lock down our patents yeah. and stuff so um, that's it that's pretty much what I've got um, Andrew, have you, can you think of anything else that no, maybe yeah, might be so. a question somebody might have? or Yeah,
1: yeah, thanks for the information. This is great. That's cool. That's this cool.
0: Well, we're looking forward to a really amazing city. Um, we are unique in that every single project that they're doing downtown is debt free. Yeah. So. That's through our MAPS program, which is a penny cent tax that we do for seven years. December 10th is the next vote. So um, we're gonna be voting on what the money's gonna be spent on in 2027. So we'll we'll tax, tax, tax for the next seven years and the money go- will get spent. So we're seeing the the last year's fund or the last sec- set of fundraising happening now. Uh, that's Scissortail Park and the convention center mm-hmm. and, um, and some other funding for our schools. That's already impacting our home prices now. So if you're getting in now, then you can kind of wait till that nine year yeah. period or that yeah. 10 year period. And you really are gonna see yourself being able to either refinance um, your mm-hmm. home loan, assuming that the interest rates are still relatively low yeah. and get that extra equity out. So pretty good stuff. Well, cool. This has been a good talk. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. OKCRealEstateShow.com. OKCRealEstateShow.com.